With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Oh, well done. My apple pie is here. One second. What do you mean? Have you got it delivered? Unbelievable. What the, hang on, what's this? Yep. You've got to nail him on this. Does he get yeah. delivery apple pie? I'll take that from you. One Sorry, one second. I'll just get my card. Um, but... <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Unbelievable. I'll tell you this. This 25 grand's gone straight to his head, isn't it? Hey, too, mate. Get it right. It's like a fucking magnificent apple crumble as well. Oh, so we're going to open with this. So we'll probably get 45 minutes out of this. <laughs> right, let's go, chaps. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Zero Ducks Given. Let's get straight into it. I can't be bothered to do the niceties. One day we're going to start this podcast and it's going to be normal and we're all going to be sat here ready to talk cricket. But instead, just as I went to go and start this podcast, Finney goes, oh, hang on, wait a second. There's a knock on his door. That'll be my apple pie. Finney, what's going on? We're now, me and Dan are now just watching Stephen Finn eat an apple pie on Zoom. I think it's a crumble. I think he's. I think he said it's a crumble. It's changed identity in this time. It's a crumble. Oh, hang on. Let's have a look at it. But, but, the thing was, it was delivered, Tobes, right? It was delivered. Is there, what, is there Apple? I'm in a hotel. What else am I meant to do? Oh. Yeah, nice dollar of ice cream there. Now, the big question is, is it hot? Because hot apple pie with cold ice cream. It's, it's, I, it's mm. lukewarm, which I don't mind. I'm not a big fan of really mm. hot apple pie. It's just not, it's not chewy. The crumble's not chewy. It's not got my seal of approval for eight pounds. It's um, quite frankly actually it's a there's a little off. bit dangling from the bottom of your spoon at the moment, which should never happen with an yeah, apple what... crumble. I have no idea how that's happened. What the yeah. how the hell is that? It's a piece of apple. <laughs> oh right, okay. <laughs> I, I, the crumble is very crumbly. It's not chewy. It, I mean, do you want to join a crispiness to it with a sort of like golden syrup top that's mm. like? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This isn't it, unfortunately, but I'm still going to eat it anyway because I'm hungry. 
this 100 tournament goes on for a while. So if, Finney, you're going to be ordering £8 apple crumble all the time, your 25 grand from Manchester Originals isn't going to stretch very far, mate. You're going to be broke. Well, to be honest, I'm, I'm in the hotel that we're staying in for our game at the Oval on Thursday. So it's not really a surprise that it's overpriced. Mm an absolute crap <laughs> I'm south of the river so uh, that's not surprising at all as soon as I get up to my true home the colour that I bleed black of Manchester originals once I get into Manchester the apple crumbles will be magnificent and reasonably priced can you can you, Brittany, can you describe the person that handed the crumble to you because I think there's a good chance I might uh, know that person what she's um very, very nice lady yep. from room service yeah Rosetta yeah and yeah, it could it could well have been. Yeah, yeah. well, see, because well, I'm actually obviously working for the Oval Invincibles in a, in a, um, a clandestine role, and uh, we we go out of our way to ensure that all of our opponents have a terrible time, mm. because you know it's the one well, it's the one percenters, it's the Dave Brailsford one percenters that will make the difference in the hundred. Mm. Obviously, because it's one hundred, isn't it? It's only bell ends who think like that. So yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, 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 that works. well, we'll see how the originals get on, shall we, Finny? We'll revisit this next week and see how you've got on after you've had a substandard apple crumble, and we'll see whether or not my my uh, tactic worked. That's the most middle class thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it would be fantastic. Even more middle class than the things you've spoken about the last few weeks. <laughs> it's always food. I swear, the podcast always starts with food. I love the fact that class warrior Stephen Finn over here, brought up in Watford, <laughs> <laughs> playing in one of the most middle-class England teams of all time, is accusing the me cultural, of being The cultural, <laughs> cultural capital of, um, of South Hertfordshire, actually. <laughs> Watford. Nothing middle-class about that, Finny. It's unbelievable that Finney is genuinely the bit of rough on this podcast. He's, he's, our, man, he's our man of the people on this podcast. It's <laughs> terrifying, isn't it? From the rough streets of Watford, uh, eating apple crumble live on Zoom. Hey, you you come to Watford, I'll show you a rough time. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Ooh. If you want someone knocked off, I've got mates for it. So, yeah. <laughs> Mate, I've played, I've played in a darts tournament in Long Eaton in the East Midlands. Uh, I, I don't think Watford holds any bloody terrors for me, sunshine. Yeah, and you know, I used to go raving in Digbeth in Birmingham in my in my in my late teen years. So, you know, don't don't ask me about rough, don't you worry. Anyway, enough talk about rough. Let's get back to our very middle class cricket podcast and discuss cricket because we are recording this immediately after England have beaten Pakistan in a thrilling game. The cider in their 2020 series. England won by three wickets with uh, just a couple of balls to spare. So what an evening Stephen Finn's had. An England win on the TV. And now an apple crumble. Daniel Norcross, meanwhile, is necking some white wine in the background as well. Um, brilliant game. Just what you want to see. I mean, there's, you know, not too much riding on this three-game series. So just sitting there as a neutral, it was nice to see a game go down to the wire. Amazing atmosphere in the crowd. We should mention as well that the atmosphere, partly the reason it was so brilliant, is a lot of those Pakistan fans would have been celebrating Eid when this game was played. And we worked out 14 players on the pitch as well, when you include Rashid and Ali. So 14 players on the pitch were celebrating E today as well. So a brilliant spectacle under the lights. Um, Bumble on the commentary on the TV was absolutely fantastic and a superb game. And it hasn't really told us anything that we didn't know about England already, which is England are very, very good and their strength in depth is absolutely ridiculous. Now, with the 2020 World Cup just around the corner, Daniel Norcross, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you. Where are England at the moment? 
Well, I think that that series has told us something, you know. It's okay. told us something really important. And it's told us that Liam Livingston has to play. Mm, yeah. Because I know this is going to sound perverse and, and typically, I mean, Finney will accuse me of being middle class for this, but Liam Livingston's six off two balls was one of the great T20 innings I've ever seen. And I'll explain <laughs> why. It genuinely was, because when he came in, there was a degree of peril. 12 off, what was it? 12 off eight, I think mm. they needed. 12 off eight. And he comes and he faces his first ball against Hafiz and the spinners have had, it's been grabby conditions. It's been really tricky against the spinners. Rashid took four wickets for England. The Pakistanis have used almost nothing but spin. Imad Wazim, Usman Kadir, Ibn, uh, Muhammad Hafiz, spin all the way. And he could see the peril and he goes, first ball, absolutely goes for held for leather for six. Then he'd six off seven. Morgan's at the other end. And the second, the last ball of that over, he goes for it again. And it was exactly the right thing to do because he basically had a free hit. That was clear-eyed T20 thinking. He's got 102 in this series, the fastest 100 by any Englishman in any form of international cricket, I believe. Um, he got 30-odd the other day. He's forced his way into that team, not just because of the scores he's got, but the way he's got them and his thinking in the way he's got them. So if Livingston comes into the team, Someone's got to go out. And I've got to say that the number one T20 batter in the world, David Milan, played, for me, quite a timorous innings today. He played a, it's over to you. It's over to you. You have it. You, you sort it out. I'll get the single there, get the single there. I know the idea of the anchor role, but it actually doesn't work within this England setup. You don't need an anchor with the players that they've got. I thought it, England did learn something from that. And... Um, as a result, I've got a completely new-look T20 England team to unfurl for you for the very first T20 match at the UAE. And it will shock some of you. I mean, you may get an attack of the vapours. You may come after me on Twitter. You may hunt me down. But you hunt me down and I'll be waiting for you because there are hills I'm prepared to die on. And uh, I guess we'll come to that when you ask me to name my 11. You're, you're on mute, Tobes. <laughs> Seamless, seamless as ever. <laughs> Sat there listening to you. I watched Stephen Finney his apple crumble. I was listening to you and then I got distracted. Funnily enough, I have written down my first 11 for the first T20 World Cup game as well. But we will come to that a bit later on because I do want to talk about Milan because, I mean, I'm, I'm not ever going to sit here and criticise him with the performances he's put in an England shirt over the last couple of years. But certainly his style of play he puts a lot of pressure on himself. And I think that's when some fans get frustrated is that if it doesn't come off, then suddenly it looks like a lot of wasted deliveries. And 2020, especially under this England team, feels so fast-paced that you don't really have time to afford the luxury of playing yourself. And Finney, you've played so much cricket with Milan. Has he always been like this? That's always how he's gone about in innings. I think he always backs himself to be able to catch up if he needs to and in the game situation, taking the right option at the right time. I think Pakistan bowled intelligently to him in that last innings, taking the pace off and Shadab bowling across him with googlies and sliders and um, and Hafiz bowling off spin to him where it's turning away from the left hander. So I think he was probably waiting for the right balls and the right delivery to be able to attack when he felt like it was necessary. Um, and I think even uh, when the rate got to nines and tens, you, you do feel as though now 
you're a couple of blows away from just sorting that strike rate out or that those runs per over out. So, yeah, they back themselves. And and I think it's also a testament to the people that they have coming in. I mean, David Willey batted at nine today. I think he opens the batting or bats three for Yorkshire in their T20. So there's batting pedigree all the way down the list. Um, and it does mean that someone can anchor the innings, but uh, in a situation like today, he'd have definitely wanted to be there right at the end. Yeah, I completely agree. And I feel a bit sorry for him because he's he's not had a great white ball few games just after his form has been ridiculous and the numbers are insane uh, for the last 18 months or so. Just at the final hurdle, he's just hit a bit of poor form just before a major tournament. Right, come on, Norcross. Let's go head-to-head on our on our 2020 World Cup team. Finney, have you got a 2020 World Cup team in mind? Uh, no. No, I don't. There you go. Brilliant. Okay. Well, you eat your apple crumble <laughs> and Norcross will slog it out. <laughs> yeah, someone, someone said that's some bloody homework here, Finney. Um, <laughs> because ordinarily, ordinarily, it's not that difficult, is it, being an England selector for the last 30 years? But now, it is because there are so many people that you've got to leave out of a side that's really what hurts you when you pick a side who are you leaving out mm. but I think I might have worked out the perfect zero ducks 11 and this is it hang on so now 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 because yeah. I've I've also worked out the perfect 11 so one of us is okay. wrong unless we've picked well, the exact same team well I bet we won't have done because I've got a wild card at number okay. 11 Oh, of and, course. And of course. Is it me? <laughs> it's, is it Darren Stevens? Yeah. I, 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 I tell you what, let's 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 wait and find out. Okay. It might be you, Finney. It might be you. Okay. You never know. Because if it's not me, then I'm in South London. I'm getting my dodgy Watford mates round to fuck you up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who could leave out the captain of table bottoming Middlesex? We weren't. We were second bottom. Second bottom, <laughs> were you in the end? Yeah. yeah. And, fit, and yeah. Finney... Sorry, qualified, didn't yeah. they? <laughs> well, they didn't finish second bottom. That's that's for sure. Yeah, but did they qualify? Well, they would have done were it not for an outrageous no. moment of madness uh, at, uh, at the AGS Bowl. No. So they didn't qualify. They qualify no, they didn't enough. qualify. Right? They didn't qualify on net run rate. You didn't qualify on not having any points. That's what you didn't qualify on. So let's be really clear about that. Well, I'll have you know, Cross, that Finney bowled really well the other day against Essex. All right, three overs, three for twenty-five. So show a bit he of respect did. around here, mate. He did. No, he did do. He did bowl. He did bowl very well. But he's somehow not sneaking into the greatest white ball team that England have ever okay. had. I mean, it was a close run thing. Don't get me wrong. And he would feature in in my next eighteen players. But I'm going to give you my eleven and my squad players on the side. Okay, so, now, 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 now. We, yeah. we need to go. We, so you do one, then I'll do one here, Norcross. Okay, right. so we're starting about so going, number one. Roy. I've gone Roy. Butler. I've gone Butler. Okay, now this is where I've got a bit fancy, okay? Oh, God. So I've gone Bearstow at three. I've gone Bearstow at three. This is interesting, okay. I've gone Livingston at four. I've gone Stokes at four. Okay. Yeah. I've gone... Stokes or Morgan at five and six, depending on the state of the innings. I can deal with that. I've got I've got Morgan, but again, this is a flexible top six or something. Right. Now, bearing in mind this is in the UAE, I've gone Moeen at seven. Okay, well, I've got Livingston in there. So we've basically got the same top six in a slightly different order, but that's fine. Well, and I've got Roy Butler, Livingston, Bairstow, Morgan, Stokes and Moeen is my top seven. Okay, and I've got Moe next as well. So, so far, we've got the exact same okay. players in a slightly right. different order. Now, this is where I get a bit tricksy. You've said this twice, and so far, it's been exactly what I was expecting. <laughs> so, I'm going 
either depending on the pitch that you're playing in in the UAE. Okay, I'll allow that. I'll allow that. Either Sam Curran. Yep. Or Archer, Rashid, Wood, and Tim Al Mills. Tim Al Mills, for me, is the man that needs to come into this team. And basically, it's Curran stroke Mills as my left arm option. Okay. Depending on what pitch we're playing on. Okay. Now, so I've gone Curran, Archer, Rashid, Wood. Because I think spin's covered by Livingston, Rashid, Moeen Ali. You've got the pace of Wood and Archer. You've got Curran, who's an absolute class act. And you've got Stokes if you need him. So, But Tim Al Mills has got the best the best death numbers in T20 cricket mm. around the world in the last three years, I would, I'd have him in that squad. And then I've got, obviously, Mahmood and Jordan up my sleeve within the squad as extra bowlers. Milan is obviously in the squad because you never know, you know, people get injured and this or the other. But now, it's interesting because, so, is Mil- Mills is who, obviously, you think, should go in. And by the way, there's been a lot of talk about Mills in the last few weeks. His, his stats are unbelievable. He's a class act. Hand on heart, do you expect Owen Morgan to do that? Because I think he loves Chris Jordan's Yorkers and death bowling. And I can't see him changing that at the last second. I'll tell you why I think he might. Because he did actually mention him in the build-up to the He 100. did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, you know, there's place for people to come in. And there are some people that we trust. And we look after their, their careers, do what they're doing. And there are certain people, and he and he went out of his way to mention Tim R. Mills. I think Tim R. Mills is a bolter. I think mm. he's a possibility. Okay, a bit of a, a, a little bit cop. like a little bit like when England won the T20 in uh, 2010. Ryan Sidebottom yeah. bowling slow bouncers. Remember that? Yeah, that was yeah. a thing that none of us had ever seen. And yeah. if you look at Tim R. Mills, he bowls nothing but short balls at the death. But the thing is, they're either slow or they're terrifyingly quick, mm. which is a totally different way of death bowling than what you see like today with the Hassan Ali, you know, who's trying to find the Yorker when he did, didn't quite get it, got hit for six in crucial moments when he really can't afford to be hit for six. Whereas Mills doesn't really allow that to happen. He just, he bowls short, but slow or fast. And I like that. I think it's, a, I think it's our way of, our way, England's way of winning the T20 World Cup. Well, I mean, you mentioned Mills, and I've got a list here of names that aren't in my first 11 that would probably be one of the strongest England white ball teams we'd ever produced. Milan, Mahmood, Parkinson, Jordan, Willie, Tom Curran, Lewis Gregory, Phil Salt, Alex Hales, of course, the Forgotten Man, Sam Billings, James Vince, Darren Stevens, Stephen Finn. There's some amazing names <laughs> missing out on this too. Um, <laughs> Finney, obviously, um, you you know you play against these players all the time. Um, is there anyone else? Mills is one. Is there anyone else that you ever see on the circuit that surprises you? Isn't around the setup more, or have they pretty much, especially with having to select a B team against Pakistan the other week, have they pretty much covered all bases? I think you. Well, I think Ben, if you've got your eleven, it's about trying to find the most versatile squad players, isn't it? Mm. And. I think that Dawson and Vince probably aren't talked about enough in terms of as squad players in that. I think it's a 15-man squad, isn't it, that they'll be able to pick for the tournament. So, yeah, the four reserve slots, sort of trying to make those four slots as versatile as possible. So Dawson can both bat and bowl very well um, and can slot into that middle order and bowl very handy left-arm spin, which in the subcontinent could be important. 
James Vince is one of the form batsmen in T20 cricket in the world at the moment and played magnificently the other day in the England shirt to score that 100 as well, didn't he? So, yeah, there are a few options there, I think, that, that maybe aren't being talked about enough at the moment, but it's a lovely luxury to have for them to be able to have all these names that they're going to have to try and squeeze into a 15-man squad. Yeah, um, unbelievable list of names on there. Now, Finney, I was trying to think, I can't remember in your career, because obviously there'll be some names here, some guys who are really sweating on wondering if they if they make that squad and some huge names are going to have to miss out. And we talked about David Willey missing out on the World Cup squad just before the tournament started in recent memory. I'm trying to remember, Finney, if you in your career, there was any test squads or tournament squads or anything like that that you were really sweating on? Do you ever remember feeling like you were really, it was kind of me or him is going to get called up to this and competing against anybody? I think... In the, no, for a long time, I was actually very lucky that I just knew I was going to be in all the squads, whether it was a touring party or something. Yeah, for a considerable amount of time. But I, yeah, I remember sweating a lot on my last ever England squad that I was in before I came home with the knee problem in Australia in the Ashes because I'd lost my central contract the week that they were picking the squad, so I knew that I was up against it. And then I took an eight for the week before the squad was picked. And I, I remember sort of thinking, well, I've just lost my central contract, but then I just won a game for Middlesex, <laughs> taking eight yeah. for and bowling pretty well against Lancashire. And I, that's one that I just didn't have a clue about at the time. Uh, and then the following week got the call saying I wasn't in it. Um, and then the whole Stokes palaver in um, Bristol happened and I got called up as a replacement for him eventually. So yeah, that was one I was really in limbo. And it's uncomfortable because you sort of you know the phone call is going to come because you're in the setup mm. and um, you've been in the squad through the summer and things and, and played a few games and you're like right what's going to happen here when you get the phone calls you see the phone call come up and you're like oh here we go mm. James Whitaker and then you can just tell from the tone of voice the first moment of the phone call it's either because I think they're really happy to go around giving the good news and it's like right you're in brilliant we'll get in touch about the logistics but you're in well done and then when they ring you up and it's bad news it's a bit like so how's your day been Stephen and I'm like <laughs> yeah it's been all right he's gone lovely weather today isn't it Stephen you know it's nice you're just spending some time outside did you with the family and I was like Yes, I spent some time outside because <laughs> it was sunny. And yes, I was with my family. And then he goes, yeah, well, they got some bad news for you. You're not making the squad. And you're like, okay, you could have just told me from the moment I picked up the phone, but I've had to deal with five minutes of bullshit before you told me. So uh, just to make me think I'm a good, or make me think that you're a good bloke. Um, but yeah, it's you can always tell the tone of voice and how the conversation goes before you actually get to the news. Can you imagine what it was like, Finny, back in the sort of seventies and eighties, when people literally found out if they were playing by hearing the radio? Like the the radio would announce the squad on a Sunday for a test match on a Thursday, and that would be when players found out. Mm. Or in the mid eighties, it would come out on CFAT. So yeah. that would be that would be that would be like the the first time you'd see it. So. Like all these guys, all these players, and, and obviously people like Gower and both of them, you know, not so much really worrying about it. But Derek Randall might have been worrying about it, you yeah. know, in in and out of the side. What a, what a really great player for him. He got 170 at Melbourne in 1976. But he's still 
playing for Nottinghamshire, and then he's like waiting to hear, and it would be announced during a John Player League game. So I mean, this is one of the, the weird things. We used to get it. I'm so old that we used to watch John Player League matches in the 70s and early 80s, and the England squad would be announced over the tannoy in the background of the John Player League game, and I'd be listening out for it. And the commentators would like. John Arlott and Jim Laker, and they didn't really listen or care because they were like old and buggered by that stage in their lives. You know, they were like in their 70s and 80s. And you'd be here, we're going to announce the England spot there in India in the forthcoming period in 1999. Will be the following. So it was Winston Churchill announcing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's basically what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. You know, we're like Alan Butcher, Graham Gooch. David Ivan Gower, <laughs> Ian Terence Bingham. And it, but you could hear it like in the background while John Arlott was going, oh, he's pushed it into the offside and there's no run. And <laughs> as, a, as a young cricket fan, you want to know who is the bloody team because the team kept changing from week to week. This is how we found out. But it turned out that's how the players found out. So they would be out there on the pitch and then suddenly hear their name from the local county commentator announcer saying what the team was for that game and they'd be like you know halfway through bowling a ball go, oh that's good I'm in the team <laughs> or they'd be like Chris Old waiting to find out they'd been left out for John Lever you know and they've got because it wasn't done alphabetically uh, Lever bugger that's not me then I mean <laughs> yeah. what an absolutely mental way to find out if you're in a team this is a fascinating insight into about five years from now when, when Norcross ends up in a home. I think they'll just find him in the corner just muttering 80s cricketers saying it to himself. It's a fascinating, it's a fascinating insight into, into when we go and visit him, bless him, because we'll still need to do the podcast. I mean, that, if I was a radio presenter back in the day, I'd have had some fun with that. I'd, be, I'd slip a name in there out of nowhere. Yeah, you would. And yeah. Stephen Fitz. Sorry, did I say Stephen Fitz? Sorry, that was a typo. I didn't mean that. Sorry if you're listening, Stephen. But it's interesting you asked that because you know Norcross there saying about you know players mid-game finding out if they're in the England side or not in the 80s, which I wonder how that fuels the rest of your performance. So you're eight for for Middlesex. Do you remember before that game thinking to yourself, I've got one last chance to to bowl well here. This this could really do my chances a bit of good. Or does it just so happen you happen to just bowl very, very nice out there? Or do you remember being really up for that game? I can remember... I, yeah, I can sort of remember the build-up to the game because I was having to negotiate my contract with Middlesex at the time, which obviously there's a, an air of uncertainty around that. So that was a bit unsettling. And I'd got that sorted out the week before the game, which was pleasant which sort of puts you at ease knowing that you've got some degree of security for the next couple of years. Mm. Um, even if you, or even when you've lost your central contract, which is, um, which is quite a, um, quite a big thing. But yeah, I remember being aware that a good performance could put me in. Cause I knew the discussions were happening this week, but I wouldn't necessarily say it was uh, that I was focusing on it whilst I was playing. I think I just got lucky that I bowled well, um, Toby Roland Jones got really unlucky and got injured in that game just before that's the summer that he'd done really yeah, really well in right, yeah. international cricket so uh, and everyone's just gutted for him that, that he was injured and everyone knew that they were having the conversations that week about picking the squad so yeah everyone was really sad for him and then you're trying to concentrate on playing so yeah there was loads of stuff going on that week but that's not the sort of thing that you know that, that I was running and thinking about you're just trying to win the game for your team because we were also 
in a relegation scrap that year. I mean, the most most famous example of this is uh, is KP, isn't it? I mean, he Apodiomi is a Leicestershire, and it came out in the press that he was going to be speaking to Andrew Strauss later that evening about his future in the England team, and he then proceeded to score. I think it's three hundred. I think he got three hundred and fifty three or three hundred and fifty five not out. And it was off nothing, was, wasn't it? It was off next to nothing against Leicestershire. Yeah. Small boundaries, and it was dropped numerous times, but it didn't really matter. Mm. The theatre of it was extraordinary. He came within two or four runs of Surrey's highest ever score. You know, Bobby Abel, three five seven, which, as every listener to Zero Ducks given knows, is Surrey's highest individual score. Everyone knows that. Um, and uh, KP got like really, really close to it. And then he went that evening to see Andrew Strauss to be told that, nah, you never play mm. for England again. Yeah. And when I think about Billy's eight for 50, and I think about KP, so that sort of like, it must be similarly egregiously annoying things as a <laughs> cricketer. I mean, you've just, what, 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 what do you want me to do? I mean, yeah. What do numbers mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If this isn't enough, <laughs> it does feel like some, their mind might have been made up before <laughs> Kevin Peterson's 300. I you mean, know. you know, and Alex yeah. Hales will know the feeling. I feel like Alex Hales has now done enough in white ball cricket that if he, he will never get selected. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but I mean, I just can't see. Well, not while Morgan is captain. I mean, no. that, that much we know. Yeah. But we don't know what happens if Morgan isn't captain. Mm, and and I dare true. say Alex Hales is thinking about that to a degree. But to a large degree, I think Alex Hales is thinking. I've got a very good life playing yeah. franchise T20 cricket. It's not a I bad game. I paid very it? well for doing it. And I smash it all over the place. So is it the worst thing in the world? Not really. It's not a bad second choice, is it? Uh, let's talk about franchise cricket. Let's move on from England, but uh, well done, England. So moving on to the 100, which at the time of recording starts tomorrow with the Oval Invincibles versus the Manchester Originals in the Women's 100. And Finney right now, as he mentioned earlier, is in a hotel because he is then playing on Thursday for Manchester Originals versus Oval Invincibles. Talk me through what life is like in the 100, basically, Finney, because this is fascinating. We've, we've never seen this before. So have you met your teammates, your coach? Have you guys netted together? Have you, have you practiced this new crazy format that nobody quite understands yet? What's going on? Yeah, smashing in apple pies for fun. It's been a <laughs> nice start to... The tournament for me but yeah met up with everyone yesterday they had a team meeting and sort of talking about values and the way we want to try and play our cricket as both the men's and women's team and sort of understanding we've got a lot of Mancunians in our squad and people from that part of the country so to have some degree of identity with where we're from as a team I think was important to those guys um, so we spoke about that and then had a couple of beers and a team dinner together which was quite nice again just catching up with people because you play with a lot of these guys or sorry, against a lot of these guys around the world, international stuff um, and domestically as well. But to be in a dressing room and sort of see how they operate is quite interesting. So we had our first training session this morning to get up at the crack of dawn because with so many teams playing at the same venues, you have to fit 14 training sessions in Mm. a day as opposed to two. So someone gets the crack of dawn slot and that was us today which was a bit of a hammer blow because I've not woken up before about 11 o'clock for the last <laughs> six weeks because we've been playing T20 and I had to wake up at seven o'clock this morning. So 
you're currently keeping me away from my bed at whatever this is at 20 to 11 um, and I should be fast asleep so um yeah exactly I'm sure you feel very 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 sorry for me slightly um, something slightly but, creepy about the fact that you've just got an apple pie and you're heading to bed it's very American pie this it's all gonna get a bit yeah. seedy isn't it yeah away from home for one night well you never know <laughs> i know yeah a couple of nights away from home and you never know what might happen <laughs> uh, what might be necessary um, but... i've got to say what, what, what i want to know more about is how you actually like you know get to understand what it is to be a manchester original i mean you mentioned a bit there how important it is we all stood around and sang Oasis. Oasis, you know, a bit of Stone Roses. We, yeah. we sang Oasis together. Say, we, they were teaching me the accent. Sister. They're like, hey, yeah, I like Manchester Originals, me. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, sorry uh, do that again. Do sorry. that again. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, one more, one more time, Finny. Don't say anything, Norcross. He's going to quickly do a mank accent for us, okay? Hey, yeah. Yeah, all right. I like the Manchester originals, me. <laughs> like is Californian, it, if you don't mind me saying so. No, no, no one in your Manchester podcast can ever... Me. Nobody in the Manchester originals can ever hear this podcast because they will. you will be an outlaw. You will be you will be a leper and an outcast and they will not want anything to No, do. they said that they told me I was one of their own today, so I'm... Oh, good. Sat here, I've got my team shorts on. Obviously, they say that, Billy. I mean, how many bloody dressing rooms have you been in? People are... Mostly nice. Well, not that many, actually. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, you, you do get surprised, yeah, because actually going into a... I've played in the same Middlesex dressing room for 16 years or something silly like that. So you, when you go and you meet new people, it's a little bit um, a little bit strange, like sort of going to practice and stuff with different coaches, different people. But it's been... Do you know what? It's actually been really good fun. And already you can see that there's a lot going into into the functionality of the tournament and and how it's going to look and how it's going to be. So I'm just hoping that people can take to it and, and we can have some fun whilst doing it. And, and yeah, just the whole point of the hundred. Yeah. I, I had a conversation today about how we were going to commentate the hundred actually, because there's a lot of sort of fear around the hundred with cricket fans. And I, I think we all know why there's no point in really going deeply into it, but, Cricket fans are, are concerned about what the 100 represents. And we were talking about how we're going to talk it, how we're going to say it. And there are some things that are going to be a bit different. I mean, they are. So when we commentate, we're going to commentate very much runs to balls in the first inning. So you may not hear, you know, they're 34 for one after four overs. You'll hear they got 34 off 20. And so-and-so's going to bowl the next five balls, you know. And we're going to, actually bring it to you in a slightly different way we're going to have to be forced I say forced not, not forced what the purpose of the 100 is to try to reach out to people who don't currently like cricket so there will be a degree of explaining that goes on when you when you hear it and when you watch it on TV and that doesn't mean that the it's essentially rubbish cricket it just means that the purpose of it is a bit different from what people who love cricket are used to uh, but it's going to take some getting used to because, for example, wickets are not really important to start with, Vinny. I've got to, I'm sorry to, to upset you with this, but we don't really care how many wickets you take. We just want to know how many runs you've conceded. Well, I don't think that was ever going to be a problem, Dan. I wouldn't so, worry about that, mate. <laughs> well, you know, now you mentioned it. Yeah. But really, just keep the runs down and we'll go wild for you. He's completed 10 whole balls and he's considered only 12 runs. 
That makes him one of the most m- m- valuable players in this year's 100. And we will be talking in American accents because it is anyway. No, we will not. I thought that was Welsh. <laughs> the word spark you come simply to me. <laughs> Finney, I mean, I've, so I've got to ask you about this because now I'm trying to get into my head here. If it's all about balls and runs, now is there, is the required run rate, rather than saying they need eight and over yeah we don't do that is it they need 1.24 per ball yeah well quite well you know that's where it's going to get a bit interesting because we've been told there are no overs right there's no sets of five there's none of that so we will genuinely as we do as we get into the second innings we'll count down so let's say after 20 balls you know the 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 target's 150 you now need 120 off 80 need 110 off 70 and that's how we'll be keeping on doing it and we won't really bother you with abstruse numbers which cricket is all about mm. so we won't go oh well that's like 1.42123 per ball we'll bait we'll just leave you to your imagination to work that out now cricket fans will be getting infuriated by that because they love mm. the numbers and they want us to say it like that but that's the way it is and okay. i don't think that's a bad thing i mean i'm, I'm, I'm perfectly cool with it it's going to be quite a challenge because you can imagine, like all the, all the commentators on both like, TV and radio, are going to be like, itching to say it's thirty for one off four. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But so that'll be quite fun listening to commentators out of their comfort zone. But that's what we're doing. We're basically doing runs up, count them up. How many have you got in the first innings against how many balls, and then count them down. So the whole way that cricket is going to be framed is going to be a little bit different for people who are who are watching it. Um, Finney, I've got to ask you, because I, I guess you can't give away the ins and outs of it, but have you as a team discussed tactics? Because this is a brand new format. So, you know, I mean, we saw when 2020 started that um, Leicestershire very early on realised that spin was important and taking pace off the ball. We saw Sri Lanka revolutionise one-day cricket by coming out with their pinch hitters and attacking and slogging at the start. We've seen England in recent years. But surely you have no idea how... To go about the hundred, have you have you discussed the plan here? Uh, we've got a strategy meeting. Yeah, tomorrow actually, we've got a strategy meeting uh, where we'll go through and work out what the philosophy is going to be. But yeah, it's going to be very much about thinking on your feet and trying to work out nuances of it's still cricket. I think fundamentally, it's it's still cricket. It's just one ball less per set of deliveries that you bowl, which will be easy to get your head around. I think the the interesting thing is going to be the captains who are going to have to decide whether someone bowls 10 balls in a row. So even if you bowl five good balls, is it worth risking getting lined up for five more? So I think that's more the things that might swing these early games is sort of someone trying to bowl 10 balls in a row, but getting lined up by a batsman and getting smashed in the second five. So, yeah, I think it's going to be those things that are the things that are going to take a little bit of getting used to to begin with. Uh, one of the really brilliant and enticing prospects in the 100 is David Willey bowling. He can bowl, according to the playing conditions, he could bowl 20 of the first 25 balls So in the power play because of the way you can do it. You can bowl the first 10 balls and then someone bowls five balls and then you bowl the next five balls and then you bowl your final five balls. So you could have like a power play bowler bowl 20 out of 25 balls and similarly, and this, you know, I come back to Tim R. Mills. Tim R. Mills could bowl 20 balls at the death 
out of 25 in a row. And what I'm really looking forward to seeing is will captains, are, are there going to be people who are going to find those little nuances because they really work? Or will it be a little bit like we had? Do you remember when we had the ODI batting power play and the bowling power play? And what really happened was that nine times out of 10, the bowling power play was taken straight after the first power play because he just wanted to get it over with. Mm. And the batting power play was taken at the last possible moment because they didn't want to have to think about it. <laughs> so what I want to see is with the 100, and I think it could happen, is just little bits of innovation. I mean, I've given you a, a, a wild example, 20 out of 25 or at one end or the other. People may not be bold in that, but you might find that they take advantage of these new playing conditions just to create something a little bit different. You know, a guy gets out off a leg spinner, off the fifth ball of their set of five, a new batter comes out, matchups perfect, keep the same bowler on. You know, captains having to think, I think about that's most things. likely to happen. People yeah. getting a wicket the last couple of balls of a five mm. and being able to bowl yeah. a fresh batsman because the new batsman's on strike. I think actually the one of the rule changes that I really like as a bowler is that the new batsman is always on strike. So if you're down to the last five balls mm. of a game and you've got an in batsman in at one end and you get the the other batsman out, the new batsman has to come in so and, and face the ball straight away, which could actually be really advantageous to taking wickets mm. and putting more of an emphasis on taking wickets, which is the way that I like to bowl. So hopefully that suits me. That's a very good rule, that. So basically it doesn't yeah. matter if you cross or anything, does it? Basically. No, no, no. no. Cross, crossing, is, crossing is done now. And, and yeah, and some of those things aren't crazy innovations, you know. Mm. They're quite, they're interesting ones to make the game potentially more fun. Uh, you know, the 100 isn't all bad, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, England wouldn't have won the World Cup final when at the end we were just sacrificing runouts just to get Stokes back up the other end. Was it Rashid yeah. and Wood and people just falling on their sword at the at the other end? So that's a that's a very interesting rule. Um, well, it gets underway on Wednesday with Oval Invincibles versus Manchester Originals in the women's game. And then the men take their turn on Thursday, Oval Invincibles versus Manchester Originals. Chaps, that is pretty much all we've got time for. It's absolutely flown by, but I've got to leave Finney to get back to bed with his apple pie. But Finney, best of luck on Thursday. We'll be rooting for you. One thing I should mention, ironically speaking of rooting, uh, Joe Root, Ben Stokes and Josh Butler will be available at the start. Some of the test players from the England team will definitely be playing the first few games of the 100. And we're waiting to find out if they'll be playing at the end of the tournament as well. But there's a lot of very sexy names. Of course, none more sexy oh. than our very own Stephen Finn, but some... Very sexy names knocking around in the 100. I'm looking forward to it. Daniel Norcross, lovely to see you. Finney, I'll let you get to bed. I know you've had a long day, but I'll see you next week, chaps. Good night. See you then. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.